The Lestranges are child drinkers. Everyone knows. I don't even know what a child drinker is. And welcome to the Downerfront Podcast, the official podcast of downerfrontpodcast.com. My name is Warren, and if it's your first time viewing and kind of hanging out with us, thanks so much for joining. What we do here is we review a bunch of movies, TV shows, all over having a bunch of beverages, and we go around a round table and talk about other things that we liked about other things that we've been watching. Uh, so we're going to do a bit of a round table. I'm going to introduce my best friends we have here, and then we're going to talk about our feature film is Overlord. One of the newer films in theater for right now. I think it probably came out a little too late. It should have come out last month, but we'll try. We, ha- we have a chat about it, so I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, so let's kind of go around a bit of the round table. I'm going to start with the beautiful mouth of the South, Mr. Brylin. What you been sipping on, and what else have you been watching? Hey, how's it going this evening? Uh, what I'm sipping on right now, I'm finishing up the last of a venti cold brew that I'm drinking. Uh, but for backup, I do have some Gatorade G2, so sugar-free Gatorade, fruit punch flavor. Yes, blew it. I said the actual flavor name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call it a color. Throwback. Uh, That's a throwback joke. <laughs> Uh, what I've been watching recently is I checked out the Netflix original movie, The Outlaw King, starring Scotland's own Chris Pine. Uh, it's about the story of Robert the Bruce. So after uh, William Wallace was beaten uh, by the English kings, it's all about how did Robert the Bruce uh, rise to become king of Scotland and and win independence for the country. Uh, it's really cool. I think it's neat. It's got very similar Braveheart themes and tones to it so if you like Braveheart probably enjoy this movie a lot um, I think like the only bad thing about it is it feels like the first part of a chapter rather than a, an entire movie so I once it ends and you're just like that was it okay uh, but well acted Chris Pine's awesome in it um, and all the supporting cast I think do a really good job as well I'm surprised that you're drinking coffee so late at night. That's very, very strange to me. But it keeps me awake, which is what I need right now. Okay, I hear you. Well, as always, it was great to see your face and hear your voice. I'm going to toss it over to the beautiful, infamous Mister Doctor Mocha Mike. Mocha, what's going on, man? What you sipping on and what you been watching? Not too much is going on over here at all how's it going everybody happy to be here um right now i am sipping on a frozen beverage from my nearest bar uh, called the holler and bk what up um it is a mix of a pina colada and a frozen lemonade that's super tasty and it is filled with 151 alcohol which is grain alcohol which means sorry i might pull an apple tonight um as far as what I've been drinking tonight, or not drinking, watching this recently, uh, I've been watching a bunch of things, but the most impactful for me was Always Sunny in Philadelphia, season 13. 
Uh, it's the most recent season. I finally had a chance now that the season's done to like binge the whole thing and get caught up on it. And man, this was a good season. This show has consistently, through a large portion of my life, been one of the funniest things on TV for me. And this season has been no different. It started off a little slow with episode with episode one, but it really caught its own. And specifically, the finale for this season was one of the most uh, like heartfelt and meaningful episodes of TV that I've ever seen. And for a show that focuses on just laughs, it really elicited um, an emotional response from me that I was not expecting. So if you're a fan of comedy and even a fan of Sunny at all, definitely check out this most recent season. Yeah, I had an emotional response when I saw a clip of them having a straight-up uh, street fight with the kids. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the whole episode building up to it was good, too. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a great season. So, How long has that show been on, on air? It feels like well, it's like forever. 13 years. So 13 years. Fun but, fact. But it's been longer than 13 years, you assholes. I mean, I don't know about that. Here's an interesting thing. So... It's already, before th- season 13 started, it was already greenlit for seasons 13 and 14. If it makes it through season 15, it will be the longest-running comedy sitcom in U.S. history. And I think that's an incredible accolade for a show like this mm. to get. A show that effectively like got its start on FX because FX was a new station and just needed anything it could get. And really pushed some boundaries from fucking episode one on... Um, if you haven't seen the pilot for Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you should check it out because, man, do they immediately dive into some hot-button topics like racism and homosexuality. And But they've been funny and amazing and really thoughtful about how they approach it the whole way. So I'm super happy for their success. Nice. Cool. cool. Well, hopefully you don't uh, get too drunk tonight. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to uh, have you on and get your thoughts of Overlord because I think you may be one of the few people to actually like this movie. Same. Uh, so I'm going to toss it over to our very special guest still, still in the guest territory. I got Mr. Sean, uh, host of the What It Fly podcast. Sean, what's going on, man? Not too much. Thanks for having me. And hopefully one day I'll actually see enough movies ahead of time that I can join enough that I'll surpass that guest status. Well, the guest status is fancy. You, you actually oh, okay. have a title. You, you want that status. Trust me. All right. If not, you're going to turn to a mocha, and it's all downhill from there. Uh, no one wants that. But what, well, what you've been watching, and what you've been sipping on? I uh, actually just finished a can of California Creamin'. I'm actually out in California currently, and it's a uh, vanilla cream ale from a brewery right around me, right around the San Diego area. Uh, but as far as what I'm watching, uh, two things in particular that I really want to point out. I mean, I'm watching stuff something new every night but uh on netflix there was something called uh, a movie called ilang the uh, wolf brigade and i didn't know until after i watched it that apparently it's a live action adaptation of a uh, japanese anime uh, however it's a korean movie uh, that takes place in the not so distant future about a militarized police state of a unified korea and it just goes into it plays a lot like sort of an action slash spy thriller and it's pretty good especially as far as some of the uh, anime ad- live action adaptations I've seen have gone uh, the other thing is seeing that Veterans Day was not too long ago uh, I tra- as tradition watched a holiday themed movie uh, that being uh, 
Soldier, in which Kurt Russell plays a uh, <laughs> one of a group of futuristic soldiers raised from birth to know nothing but war. Uh, however, after years and years of fighting, they're all deemed obsolete and are replaced by genetically quote-unquote superior soldiers. Long story short, Kurt Russell kills them all and saves a settlement of innocent civilians in the process, though. That's just a side note. Spo- that's not a side note. That's a spoiler. <laughs> you just ruined I mean, the spoiler entire for movie a twenty-year-old movie. <laughs> All right, when you start watching the movie, you know exactly what's going to happen. There's no. It's Kurt Russell. There's no way he's going to not wipe them all out. That's right. Oh, and I would uh, also recommend for Veterans Day uh, watch Mario Van Peebles solo. It's a good soldier movie. I never heard of that one. Yeah. Oh man. Is it a is it a good soldier? Yeah, I was like, is that a real is that a really a good soldier movie or you're just I think it's kind of okay. It's a terrible movie. It's it's great to watch in Mocha's condition, I think. (laughs) But uh, solo, I mean, dare you? Just to give you an idea of solo, uh, it's it was supposed to be like Universal Soldier three, and then they decided to scuttlebutt it, and then Mario Van Peebles picked it up and said, "I'll run with this." That sounds terrible. We should definitely watch that. <laughs> well, Sean, is always great to uh, have you on the show. I'm super pumped to kind of get your opinion of this, especially because you've done a, a good amount of fear boners with uh, Abbott. And so I think you have a really uh, creative mind for these type of movies. No, I'm glad to give my two cents. And coincidentally enough, uh, uh Wyatt Russell, who is an actor in the movie we're about to discuss, was actually in Soldier. Oh, oh yeah. Something I did not discover until doing research. Uh, he plays, well, being as he is Kurt Russell's son, it makes sense. <laughs> he plays Kurt Russell's 11-year-old character's counterpart. Ah. How old is this guy, then? Uh, Wyatt Russell? 30. I think he's about our age. I'm going to say 12. <laughs> I wouldn't say our age, because, like... Okay, I am 30 going on 31. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was born, like, within a year of me, maybe two. Yeah, I would I would believe that. Our age within 10 years with Brylin. We're fine. <laughs> well, I am... My name is Warren, and uh, I am currently drinking Jameson and Ginger Ale. I got to keep it simple, but I'm also keeping it light, because I'm only going to have one drink today. I had plenty of drinking last night. Let's go UCF. Uh, and so what I've been watching, I had told everybody I started The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. You know, they had the season one. I really enjoyed their characters. I really enjoyed, you know, the different uh, feel and the different vibe of the actual show itself. I would definitely go recommend kind of watching it. Again, another show that, oddly enough, I'm not sure why it came out after October. I think it'll be a perfect show to start in October. Uh, but I think it kind of, like, uh, got really popular, like, probably the first or second week of um, November, but really cool show. I think I really like it. You know, one of the main characters actually plays Sally Draper. I can't remember her name right now, uh, but she actually like does has some acting chops. Um, I didn't really like a lot of the uh, writing in the show, which is kind of weird. And it just felt like there was not a lot of common sense. So I did a lot of eye rolling, but I did enjoy the show. So I'll definitely say, go check it out. And I'm curious to see what everybody else thinks. And, Partway through, they also are setting up for future seasons, so I'm curious to see if it gets signed on for another one. Uh, and then I'm starting to watch an Amazon Prime's uh, show with Julia Roberts called Homecoming. Has, have you guys seen this yet? No, I hear people say it's amazing, though. 
So Julia Roberts is her first TV show ever, which kind of mind blowing, I think. Um, and the show, uh, obviously, I'm not going to spoil it, and I'm also not done yet. I'm only at what maybe episode three or four, uh, but you know, it opens up when she's sort of like a mental health sort of counselor, and she's working with veterans that's coming back from um, active duty to kind of get them reoriented back into life. But something's kind of not right about it, and you start finding out more and more information as the story goes on and as the show progresses. So, um, really, really good. I mean. Right now, I'm I'm really into it. I'm hooked, uh, but it's one of those shows that uh, Emma's gonna get mad at me if I keep watching without her. So I have to wait to finish that. It's kind of frustrating, but it's okay. I don't mind it. Yeah. yeah. I also heard that that TV show is based on a podcast. Oh, is, is it? Ooh, I, yeah. need to, I need to do some more research. I obviously, I mean, once I'm finished, I'm then gonna go and find the podcast. Sorry, but I just can't trust people with spoilers. I can't do it. <laughs> so as always, we're going to do a new segment here, in which case we're going to hold my glass up and say send a sip. Uh, today, we want to do a bit of a shout out, want to do some praise, thank you, or maybe you just want to throw some salt in somebody's face. Who knows? I'm going to start with Sean. and says, Sean, who are you going to send a sip to today? I personally want to send a sip to Charlie Mops. Now, I have done no actual research, so I don't know how true this might be, but according to a 2004 Xbox game, Charlie Mops is the man who invented beer. It's interesting. Wait, hold on. That's a pretty big claim. Yeah. Well, there is an Xbox game called Bard's Tale that came out in 2004 that has an entire segment where there's a bunch of drunkards oh, in a tavern gosh. that sing a song claiming a man named Charlie Mops is the man who invented beer. Interesting. I would say there's probably not any historical accuracy to that because Egyptians were drinking beer. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, his, um, his name, I mean, Charlie Mott could yeah, be an I mean, Egyptian. No, I mean, Bardstell is strictly in medieval European times. So. <laughs> and I have no doubt that it has nothing to do with the fact that they can rhyme it with hops. Mm. <laughs> All right. I believe Charlie Mops invented beer. Thank yeah. you, Charlie Mops. Thank you, Charlie Mops. Sip to you. Thank you, Charlie Mops. Brylon, yeah. what you got? Uh, I'm going to send a sip to the dearly departed. So, this past week, the late great Stanley passed away, uh, age of 95. Amazing life. He pretty much does something that rarely happens. In life, which is he essentially pioneered an entire like American art form and genre where tons and tons of generations are influenced by him every day up until this point where we see the biggest movies on the planet are all based on characters that he helped co-create. Uh, so, Stanley, thank you for everything you've done for my childhood, and thank you for everything you've done for my teenage years, and thank you for everything you continue to do for my adulthood. You're, you are immortal, and you are legendary, and you will go on forever. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off of that a little bit, like it, it was kind of scary when I know I read a story, um, I think it was maybe a year, a year and a half ago when they found out that his wife had passed away. And yeah. after that time, I was super scared uh, because it's yeah. like, oh man, I don't, I know that heartbreak is going to come in, but you know, he was still okay. He had some health issues back then too. And I think he was almost um, blind at that point um, for, for a while too. So, <laughs> 
um, I was definitely kind of monitoring that. And he went to the hospital for a little bit. So I'm like, oh, no. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, shout out to you, Mr. Lee. Yeah. Mocha, what you got for me? Yeah, my send a sip this week goes out to Rob McElhenney of Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame. You may or may not know him more commonly as Mac from the show. Um, the season finale for this season, for season 13 was something that I was not expecting to experience at all from Always Sunny, let alone any TV show. It was really personal and super emotional and was a surprisingly um, meaningful approach to a certain subject matter for anyone. I'm not going to go too deep into it for uh, the sake of whoever's listening who hasn't watched the season, but you should watch the season 13 of Voice Sunny and you should watch that finale because it is a great example of what can happen when you try to use your art to tell a meaningful message. And a huge shout out to those guys who are usually focused on comedy for doing something that's really meaningful for a big portion of the community. Hey, good stuff about that. I still need to like finish this show. I started like a few seasons and just kind of stopped. So hopefully I need to pick it back up. Yeah. Um, I have two send sips. I'm going to go ahead and send uh, a very big guzzle to the UCF Knights. Uh, are now officially 23-0. and zero, Have not lost a game in over 702 days, counting tonight. Uh, so super pumped about that, especially everything that they've done. The crowd was rocking, and but everybody also had like a super positive vibe to it. And I think it was really interesting to see a lot of the times when there are sports there's always like some sort of negativity kind of injected into it and there was like game day and a bunch of people were there and there was like an, there was like no fights or any sort of like issues that would normally would happen at some of these big events of people getting arrested and things like that i'm sure people got arrested let's be real but there wasn't anything that was like kind of publicly on display so i'm glad it was like still something positive about hey the college football ranking system is broken. Let's try to fix it. Uh, and then another huge send to sip to Nathan Peterman. I'm so glad you are not a Buffalo Bills quarterback anymore. <laughs> Bro, you are terrible, and you stressed me out. I'm pretty sure I have gray hairs for only the last year you have been playing because you were second year in the league, and you couldn't last. So I'm really glad you're not on their team anymore. But I hope the best because that dude actually tried. And so I only see like Ellie gave a shit about losing and he wanted to still kind of get better, although he still was losing. So that yeah. kind of sucks. So I still want to kind of honor him in that regard. He's a stalwart of optimism. I read one report in front of a game he was going to start this season where he <laughs> went to the coach and said, I'm ready to win one. And then he throws five interceptions. <laughs> You know, the, the, the best thing, like, even this year, like, you can say the epitome of Nathan Peterman's career was our rookie quarterback gets injured and Buffalo's winning the game. Rare, I know. Um, our rookie quarterback is injured. Buffalo's winning the game. Defense playing great. All we have to do is sit on the ball. We're winning. We're fine. We don't have to score. Just waste the clock out. What happens? Nathan Peterman goes in, throws an out route that gets picked off for an interception, ran back for a touchdown, and guess what? The Bills lose the game. And it's just like, that was like three drives, man. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? So it was pretty terrible, but it's okay. Uh, I'm glad that you're gone, but I hope that you get work somewhere. I'm sure he's going to be a backup quarterback somewhere else in the league, so I'm not too worried about him. Yeah. 
And with that, we're going to take a break. So we are pumped. We're going to review Overlord, directed by Julius Avery. Um, super pumped to kind of talk about our thoughts. So stay tuned for a full review of Overlord. We are back, and we're the Down in Front Podcast. I got Brylin, I got Mocha, I got Sean with us. Tonight, we're going to be reviewing Overlord. We're in our spoiler section, so if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, I'll probably say it was a pause. Go check it out, or maybe read an extensive Wikipedia or just read some reviews on it and then go back and pick this up because maybe you don't want to waste your money. I get it. There's a lot of good stuff happening that's coming out for right now, especially with the holidays. So I definitely want to make sure that you save as much time as possible. Um, directed by Julius Avery. Uh, looks like it was written by Billy Ray. I'm not entirely sure too many of these peoples that were in here. I recognize some of the people. I know Mocha is going to talk about Ian Castiger, Ian DeCassiter. Perfect. Um, Perfect. Um, so I know that we know him from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so we'll talk about this movie. We're going to break it up into a couple of sections. As always, we'll talk about the acting. We'll talk about the characters. And then we'll talk about you know visuals and a bit of the story. And then really kind of do a, a bit of a closing um, sort of thoughts and sort of conclusion. So toss it over to Brylin. Brylin, talk to me about the acting and characters of Overlord. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start off by saying overall the acting in this movie was terrible. Um it, it, it was just hard to watch, like, pretty much every single scene of this movie. Um, I found, um, for the most part, the most competent actor was Giovanna Depo as Boyce. Um, I think his story was kind of solid, even though I think they uh, had some weird, like, moments where he was just accidentally running into situations all the time and it didn't make any sense for his character uh but i think he did a solid job for the most part as just like this frightened young kid that's um that's in a weird ass situation when it comes to not only being in the war but also crazy mutant nazis coming after you um did you want to say something yeah um I just had a really big issue because it felt like this guy, I guess his character when he was portraying, it felt like he's never acted and he's never been in a movie before. And it was really frustrating because he was on the screen for 80% of the movie. Yeah, he's the main character. Oh my God, bro. Like I get... I think that's what also made the acting worse. And there was like some other people, like the Nazi general soldier. I thought that was like comedic because he was being stereotypical. The stereotypical evil doctor was an evil scientist doctor, like whatever. Um, but it was weird that it felt like they was trying to like inject some seriousness in this movie when you're talking about mutant zombies. Uh, n- no, like we, you should know what kind of movie you're in. You should go in kind of like enjoy like be hammy as much as possible um i know that the one character that i really enjoyed for being hammy was the general um he's been in so many movies i I looked up his name i'll look it up again but right after the plane shuts down he knows that he was gonna die and you clearly know that he's gonna die because right after they introduce the general he introduces the guy he says hey when we land he's in charge 
So I'm like, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to die right when they land a the plane, right? And sure <laughs> enough, he's the first to die. I was like, oh, motherfucker. But there was more than, um, you know, there's more than one black character in the film, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think you're referring to Bokeem Woodbine. Thank you. Who is yeah. Who's an amazing actor. The sergeant. I mean, he was yeah. great. I would lo- like, I wish I had more of him in the movie, not him dying in the first seven minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but also, I mean, just to continue with some very bad acting, um, the Corporal Ford, who's played by Wyatt Russell, um, he is devoid of any personality or anything. If you thought Boyd Holbrook uh, did a bad job uh, in Predator, this guy takes the cake for it. There's moments where people say things to him, and he's about, you think he's going to get like very hard ass and say like a very hard ass line to people, but he'll just like stare at people for about five seconds and then he'll say, I did that. Because that's what the mission asked for. And it's just like the most plain line delivery ever. And you're supposed to take him as serious and like very brave and stuff. And it's hard to take him serious at all. Um, this sniper guy they have on the unit, uh, he's probably he's trying to do his best Joe Pet- Pesci impersonation. Um, he's yeah, like, he's very terrible. <laughs> why? I mean... Like I, I was so confused the fact that they had certain some stereotypes in this movie, and then yet you have a pretty diverse cast in the movie. So I, I it, it just didn't feel like it matched what they were trying to do and what they were portraying. Like this dude was clearly the Joe Pesci. I was like, why? But uh, it, it just it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, I mean, for competent acting, um, the actress that plays the French lady, her name is Matilda Oliver, plays Chloe. Uh, she was solid for her supporting role. It's okay. But that little French kid fucker, um, he was terrible. He would, like, sit there, random, roll, just run off some random, like, French french speak that they didn't even uh like subtitle or anything he'll just like hop out of random situations and there's one situation where they're shooting at nazis and all of a sudden he's running through the street like it's a fucking game and i'm like what the hell are you doing little french kid don't do that <laughs> uh we all know how we feel about child actors he he, yeah. fell, he fits into that category I'd rather have Ty Simpkins in this movie than him. <laughs> I don't know about that. Little kid's name is Gianni Toffer. This is first role. All right. Yeah, he, he did bad. So whoever let him loose on the set, they did wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what I have for acting because it was a lot of garbage. Sean, what you got for me? All right. So I don't necessarily think the acting was garbage per se. I think it's completely amateurish. Like, I would not be surprised if it's a lot of people's first roles. So they just didn't have the experience to go off of. So while I would gauge it if it's someone who's been acting for years and years, a lot of good roles, and they're just thrown into this and just completely F up. But I think they did the best with what they were given because in addition to the fact that I just think the acting was a little amateurish, the characters were horribly developed. Like 
those that even had any type of development or growth during the movie, it's like the cause and effect was written by an alien who had never seen how a person reacts to some sort of external influence and just assumes, oh, if this happens, then they will no longer be happy. Or if this happens, they will no longer want to have this type of motivator. And so it's very robotic and just foreign in the way they try to develop these characters. And they're just, like you said, a lot of them, yes, are very generically written, but very, very poor characters in general. But I think the the main character, the reason why I was talking a lot about um, voice character Jovan um, Adipo is he played a really, really powerful role in Fences. He plays Denzel Washington's son. Um, so I've seen him. Ha- I see him be a good actor, a good performer. So I think that's that's why I, I, I talk a little shit on him. But you know, I definitely agree with you. Of it, it looks like the script was thrown together and it looked like it was a mess and they were like i guess we're just gonna go and make this movie right and everybody said yeah okay let's just go make this movie without ever kind of wanting to care about it so i do agree with you on on that end like it was pretty it was pretty bad yeah and one point that we'll even talk about further going into how it is just thrown together we'll touch on later i got points on that but uh one thing i wanted to hit on with the voice character the way it was written looks like he's supposed to act like he's on the spectrum for the first half and then whatever happens to him oh he's no longer because he's so reserved he's so sort of certain social uh practices and social uh interactions with people Mm -hmm. are not just him as an actor but are so strange to the character itself that he doesn't know quite know like the way the character reacts he doesn't quite know how to uh, interact or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? react to whatever is going on. So while, yeah, they try to explain that, oh, he doesn't like killing people or stuff like that. The best way I can describe the that example of the weird growth is that they go from him being a character on the spectrum to having to deal with such a huge, heavy load of shit that he completely breaks free of that frame later on and it's complete opposite interesting i i didn't even think about that but i i'll be dare i say it i'll be interested to rewatch this movie <laughs> to see if i can uh pick up on some of that stuff because his his character does, does i mean arguably he's probably the only character that has like a drastic change as much you know other characters have some change but he does seem to be like uh, he takes command almost near the end and i thought for sure when he's talking to that last captain or sergeant that he was going to promote him from private to like being corporal or something i thought for sure he was going to promote him because they were also leading to another movie um which is neither here nor there no uh, yeah, no i completely agree with yeah. that feeling i was in the same boat on that case. How this ended, I, I, I know for sure how it felt that this ended was like, hey, this is one piece, but this craziness is happening in this only one area uh, in France, right? And Or they were in France or Germany? France. France. Okay. France. Um, oh, you're, sorry, you're the expert. Sorry, resident expert, Mocha here. Um, he on, like It only happened in one area in France. And so the way that I felt as the movie was kind of ending was 
are you telling me that this is like they're you gonna do more stories as all of this is happening at the same time and that these heroes of this character is gonna rally together or something because that's how it felt and i was really nervous i was like oh dear god please no please don't do this well i'll just point out that first of all i i'm not an expert in world war ii history i just have a like a cursory knowledge of it um but nothing about the ending of this movie made me think that they were setting up for a sequel. This seemed very self-contained in my in my my point my experience my point of view. Uh, they they stumbled they came into a function on a very non-zombie related military mission. They accidentally found zombies. They blew up the zombie place and it was buried underground. And I felt like that was just the end of the story. I'm not sure what you all saw that made you think that it was set up for a, a multiple series or at least a sequel. How they were talking about why we have to blow up the church and they were asking questions about it. It made, at least for me, and I'm, I don't know, like I'm curious your thoughts. It made it seem like they had no idea. Like they know the mission was to blow up the church so that they can um, disable the communications but also knowing that there was more information in there from the conversation that Boyce has with the commanding officers at the end of, hey, you didn't see anything else, assuming that he also knew that something was down there, and that's why they sent them to this almost suicide mission. That's where I was getting it from of, I think the, uh, the you know, Americans knew of what was actually happening, um, and that's why there was a, there was a bit more information. Um, yes, but at that same point, Boyce's response to his CO was, there's nothing there. It was just a lab and it got buried. And they were like, all right, well, let's get on with this World War II. And I, I, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, but also I feel like not, there was nothing about the final engagement between the uh, main character and his superior officers that made it seem like they cared enough about what got buried in that lab to distract them from, again, the very beginning of the invasion of Normandy, which was, as we know, just one part of like the final stretch of World War II. Now, going off that, actually, uh, what Warren was saying about the dialogue that that general or whoever was debriefing him was giving him, it made no sense for him to say those lines unless there was other information that could say, hey, there's another location like this. Because, I mean, the little team, spoilers, the little three people, more or less, that are alive that actually knew what might exist down there aren't saying anything. Everyone going into this mission had no idea about anything that was beneath this church, yet somehow this general or whatever high-ranking official of this captain was... Are you sure there was no lab down in there? Oh, why did you blow up the entire church and just instead of the tower? Well, I mean, you send an expert in. He blew up what he needed to. It accomplished the mission. Why would you keep asking those questions unless he was getting some sort of intel from somewhere else about said lab? And then he just completely dismisses it right off. Hard disagree there, Sean. Um, that that CEO who was in, like questioning them at the end. So their mission before they knew about the lab was to just destroy the comms tower. His questions were, why did you destroy it from the inside instead of just blowing it up from the outside? It seems like the outside was an easier way. And Boyce made up an excuse, right? He was like, well, I wanted to make sure that the job was done. Therefore, we went in on the inside. And he was like, all right, I'll take that. Um, I don't think 
in the slightest that the CEO who questioned him at the end had any reason to think that there was anything but just a bunch of normal as Nazis who needed to be killed inside that base. Um, I think that the, the zombie experiments were very much secretive and it was a, it was something that the, the Nazis that were there didn't want to get out before it was ready. I, but I don't think that the allied forces in this movie had any even remotely remote inkling that there was something like that going on. Regardless of what was said at the end. Well, when there's an Overlord 2, <laughs> you got to look hilarious. I th- I'm, no, I'm fine for Overlord 2, but I guarantee you that CO won't know shit when Overlord 2 starts. So mm. we'll table this for then. That's true. Mocha, what you got for actors and characters? So, you know, the characters overall were pretty basic and like pretty much just cliche war movie characters. I mean, you had the... Uh, the pseudo pacifist guy who wasn't used to war and just didn't want to kill randomly. You had the, uh, the loud Guido who was just, uh, <laughs> like obnoxious about who he was and super aggressive. You like, it was every character. There was no originality in the characters that were present. It was all just a bunch of cliches. Um, aside from that though, like I didn't mind the acting overall. I thought the acting itself was perfectly passable. Um, I'm a big fan of Ian DeCastecker, who played Chase, the photographer. Uh, I'm a fan of him because of the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on on ABC. It's a Marvel show for anyone who hasn't listened to our previous episodes where we've talked about it. And I like him as an actor, and I want to see him do better things beyond Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I was actually personally just happy to see him in this movie. I will say, and this is a bit of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched or isn't caught up on the Netflix show or the ABC show, Ages of Shield. So Warren close careers. But um, how many times am I going to have to watch in the cast like bleeding out on the floor, obviously dying, but just in shock and not able to tell that he's dying and talking to his friends as if he's going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I finished Ages of Shield and I saw your note. I'm like, yes, because we have seen it six, we, I feel like six times and we this, saw the, too many times. Yeah, we saw this exact same scene in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was just like, man, it's like, why do I have to watch this exact thing happen again? He um, does have a great, he has a great innocent face for this character being, I mean, and it felt like just more of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. character too, right? He is inserted into an area that he doesn't quite belong. Um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he has way more like functionality, right? But clearly here, he's a photographer, who somehow yeah. knew how to wield a gun better than Boyce. And they were asking him to do stuff that didn't make any sense. We're not going to get into the logic of some of this stuff that they were asking him to do. But they kind of put him in this. And I know it was actually um, not common, but that was you know kind of factual. They would have kind of people that would go in as reporters, recordings, trying to kind of gather as much intel and information. Um, but it was just kind of weird for them to put him into this scenario something bad happens and he's freaking out that something bad happens and he doesn't know how to process the information. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen that a lot in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a, a rehashing of that character, um, which I am i wasn't too upset about, but this guy, he's someone who, at least from everything I've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., has actual legitimate range as an actor. And I want to see his success in films, but like that's not going to... like. It's not going to expand further if he's just doing the exact same stuff he did in S.H.I.E.L.D. for movies. Um, in the cast of the side, I, I, in opposition to you guys, was actually a big fan of the tiny little 
uh, French boy. I thought he was great. I love that little kid. He was like, he was like a baby Pee Wee Herman. And (laughs) I thought he was perfectly fine. All he did was just mimic the, the Guido. He didn't really say anything or do anything. And I just, I just thought he was perfectly enjoyable as a plot device for this film. I swear one time that little kid is flossing on the street. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have floss in during world war two times. You don't know. I don't know that. You're right. Um, Tiny little boy aside, I was really, like, really glad in the deepest part of my soul to be able to watch Euron Greyjoy get his ass beat. Um, It hasn't happened yet in Game of Thrones, and the actor who plays Euron uh, played the, the main Nazi in this film, and it was viscerally enjoyable for me to see him get the shit beat out of him, so... Regardless of everything else, I was happy to see that happen ahead of this new season of Game of Thrones. His name is Palo Azbek, and his uh, character name is Waf- Wafner. Wafner. His name is his name is Euron, and he stole the Salt Throne from his father. Spo- spoiler alerts, bro. <laughs> You've seen I mean, it. Not I mean, everybody who's listening, I know I've seen it. It's not just me. It's spo- I'm spoiling. I'm trying to make sure the world is not spoiled. See how I did there? Uh, yeah, so I'll go. I'm not going to rehash some of the things that you said. You know, a couple of tidbits I do want to kind of just point out. One, I really think that a lot of these characters died too quickly for us to establish why we care that they died. Um, the actor who plays another Game of Thrones character, Grey Worm, his name is Jacob Anderson. He plays a, a character named Dawson in this movie. Um, they bring up the fact that he's writing this book and... He talks about writing this book is something sort of interesting and to, for a certain moment, it I, and literally it happened. It reminded me of this book that I read by the things they carried. Um, that you know, a lot of these soldiers were going to be bringing a lot of different things with them, and then it was the same moment that happened with Vin Diesel in Saber Private Ryan. And if you put these two moments together, take out anything that we care about this character, and that character just dies. That's kind of happens. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then they make a weird kind of reference of. You know, that'll be good in Dawson's book later, which is kind of odd. But the one thing I did like about that is Boyce's reaction to that mine going off next to him. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool sort of um, thing that they tried to do with like the ring in his ears and stuff like that. Um, The other thing that I want to bring up is uh, another character, Rosenfeld, played by Dominic Applewhite. Uh, Guys, this guy was on a surgical table that had some sort of rod pointing and going inside his body that nobody talked about. Literally, nobody mentioned it at all in this movie, which bothered the shit out of me. I was like, bro, wait, hold up. That is hitting some sort of internal organ. That is like feasting off of you, I'm sure, or injecting something into you. How the hell, how in the hell, you gonna tell me you just straight wrap it up because she studied, she used to be a vet. She went to school as a vet. Cool, whatever. You can toss it in there. But you straight wrap it up and it be completely fine, completely unfazed. And you don't die in the end. And you can actually hold a huge M60 gun and straight kill all these dudes without being phased at all. And was running full speed with that huge gun. And I was like, wait, hold up. Do, is anybody not? Why are we not talking about this? Crazy. I was so sure 
so 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 sure that this dude was going to turn into a zombie halfway through the movie um it's a typical trope in zombie movies you find someone who you care about you save them from a dire situation but you don't know they have a bite and they turn and in this movie like it wasn't about being bit but he like you said warren he had a fucking like 12 inch needle through his gut like sewed in and doing all sorts of weird stuff to his body i was shocked that it didn't be wasn't a revelation at, at, at like three quarters of the movie that he was a zombie and like didn't like transform and try to kill somebody it it, it, it was just comical because i was as you're sitting and you're just waiting and you're waiting and then you wait some more and then you see uh the joe pesci character his name's tibbet uh he gets shot and i was like Oh wait! So that dude just straight survived and didn't even get attended to medical treatment at all. Come on! Like he has to have some sort of internal injuries. Yeah, they show a bandage on him when they're when they're getting debriefed, but it's like they treat it like a flesh wound. He's like straight up getting shot in the back. Yes, bro. Like, I can, <laughs> I can I can understand you may have plot armor after that, but at least. Somebody has to explain how he can freely move with no issues. Um, so, I mean, that happened a, a few times in the in the movie, and um, I just was I just thought that was kind of a pretty comical. So I laughed a good amount. Cool, Brylon, what you got for visuals? Yeah, so when it comes to visuals and story, I was just reading up on what Billy Ray's pedigree is as a screenwriter. And it looks like he's got some really solid movies under his belt, like Captain Phillips and the Hunger Games and um, some other movies like Shattered Glass. That's an amazing movie. Uh, And he wrote this. (laughs) And it feels like the story of this was like maybe one time they wanted to get a Wolfenstein film going, but they could never get the rights to it. And it it just feels like they exactly took the plot of Wolfenstein and ripped any type of story or interest that's in that in the very thin story of Wolfenstein and ripped it right out and left just the uh, the shitty remains of the of the corpse there. Um, so this movie it makes no sense at all what happens like i was mentioning earlier that boyce kind of oops his way through um different scenarios like when ford tells him to go find Tippett and dawson and then all of a sudden he just winds up in a random back of a truck and goes into the into the uh compound by himself just flying solo and uh runs it and gets a to scout out the lab undetected unknown to any of the thousands of nazis that are in this compound and gets out pretty much scot-free to come back and say like hey guys this is what's in this (laughs) what's in this actual church it's fucking crazy and that threw me i mean that just like blew my mind when that actually happened um as far as like the visuals um i thought it was something where they had a budget for only so many like horror visuals and it's just like one thing is not going to uh, excite me about like a, if they're trying to do a horror film, um, there's really cool scene where you see a lady lady's head and her spine and she's, uh, screaming, help me, Sivu play. And, um, 
And uh, I thought that was a really cool visual. Everything else just felt very third rate or the, like it was filmed in someone's backyard or something. Uh, because I, I mean, everything looked like it was it was filmed very poorly and stuff. So um, nothing felt like an authentic like World War II uh, set or anything like that. It just felt very put together and very haphazardly. Um, there is uh, actually um, something that I thought was really bad was just um, just how they handled like the whole idea of these Nazi super soldiers that there was when it comes to horror movies, horror movies definitely excel when they have rules and they put no rules up for how these super soldiers are affected. What is the serum they give them? Was it actually doing to them? I mean, we see different aspects of it where if someone dies and then they take it all of a sudden, like uh, some weird crazy ass contortion where their neck breaks the opposite way and re- gets reset back and everything and you're just wondering why does it do that uh but when we see like the 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 nazi general taken and he's still alive but he's got half his face taken off he's just like super strong and you see some veins and half his face gone but you don't really get a sense of like okay what does this stuff really do except make you crazy and strong and make you yell at people um, it, it's just totally nonsense, nonsensical and stupid how anything is handled in this movie, whether it's uh, trying to put a backdrop of World War II on it or to make a competent uh, like horror film, even if it is just like a gory slasher or a gory body horror film. It's, it just falls flat on every single element they add to the film. Yeah, I wish they would have took a bit more time, you know, talking about two of the points you had brought up, Brylin, like, I wish we spent a little bit more time in that scientist sort of office, I think, um, or his like lab, when we saw the woman with the spine and clearly something was moving in the bag. And that's when we found, um, uh, not Dawson, but we found like the other character, I forget his name for right now, but I, f- I wish we just would have spent a bit more time on exactly what's happening so that they can explain or at least show us a little bit of the impact on this sort of like weird drug. Um, and I also was thinking it was weird because you even hear the doctor says, you know, this, you know, serum hasn't been tested on a live person yet. <clears throat> and so we see that, you know, when he tried to inject Chase with it, who just had died that's i guess it makes him go crazy or whatever and then we see the general waffner kind of inject himself but then we also see that chloe said that they they were testing on her um, aunt. her aunt and i was like oh well she was alive she's still alive it wasn't like she was dead she was just sick and but we actually never we saw her eye but we never saw anything of her go crazy or super strict like none of that stuff so i'm like okay that messed up maybe that was like the early stages of it and we also know that the only way to defeat them is burning them so i i, I kind of get that but it was just like kind of a, it was a bit of a mess and uh it, it just you know again how you said it's like nonsensical because it looks like they just kind of rushed through some of the things and some of the information that we may want to know to make it a little bit more enjoyable and also kind of set the stakes up a little bit for the final um fight and the blowing up of the area 
Yeah, and uh, there's like just moments that really, I mean, the whole idea of like super soldiers or Nazi zombies or whatever they're supposed to be uh, doesn't really just gel together. We'll see like an amniotic, like a um, synthetic amniotic sack and you unzip it and there's someone pouring out of it. Why? We don't know. Uh, there's those three holes in the wall where you hear voices coming out of it and like stare through and you'll see like a jump and you're like, okay, what was that? Was that one of the sol- super soldiers or something else that might be the origin of this serum? Um, which uh, they really don't um, they don't really dive into that and like explain it to us. But also like the super soldiers or anybody that took the serum didn't really seem to be that much of a threat either. I mean, you'd think that they would have oh shit moments where they felt like their lives were in danger. You really only get a fight between the general and the corporal and Boyce. Um, when um, when uh, Fitz becomes a super soldier zombie um we find that boys just like straight up bashes his head in and that's it it's like oh you're not gonna kill any of us today sorry uh, and um with the general i mean it was just a matter of just like making sure he blows up into a thousand pieces and burying him in the castle um it, it just felt like there was absolutely no point to why these were created and they weren't they weren't uh, threatening or scary monsters at all. Anything else? No. Tron, what you got? Uh, a lot of the same points Brylin makes. Uh, I mean, obviously I have different examples, but yeah, going into this, and I've even made the uh, humorous analogy that I thought it was a video game movie being uh, uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Uh, however, even before that, for some reason, I went in this movie thinking it was about werewolves. I had no idea it was about zombies. I don't know why. I guess that's just the draw I got from the uh, trailers. And I'll talk about it later. I think it would have made a better movie had that been the fact. But I, I kind of think so, too. <laughs> uh, when I saw the trailer, I was thinking about vampires. So <laughs> No worries. But yeah, I really felt like each act was directed by a different director. I mean, different choices of cinematography were focused, all right, this, like, first 20 minutes, we'll have this type of cinematography, and then we'll move to using these type of cameras for this half hour, and then from that half hour, we'll move into these. And, I mean, even just the flow, there was a lot of, like, uh, the example Brylin used of uh, voice going off to get the other two guys, and then all of a sudden, he's in this underground bunker. There was a lot of they didn't want to do any type of story or development for the transition parts. They just wanted them to be from point A, point them in point B. How did they get there? Like when uh, the corporal sent the two guys off to see if there's anyone at the rendezvous, rendezvous point, they go away. You don't see them again. They come back. They're there. Nothing. Like there is no transition for point A to point B. It's just they're there, they're there, they're there. And it just goes through like that's the one thing that ties it together so you know it was directed by the same guy uh so that's like story and flow that was my two cents um would have been better as a werewolf movie uh (laughs) however as far as visuals i thought they did a pretty good job with the use of practical effects um even though it wasn't a whole lot like all the makeup and everything on the actual test subjects or the ant uh, 
the I can't remember the actor, the camera guy. Um, which, yeah, I have no doubt some of that was CGI, but uh, there were some that I felt easily was uh, just practical um, visual makeup and whatnot that I thought they did pretty good. Uh, and then, oh, good. Yeah, I also picked up. I uh, I don't know why. Um, I think it's because like the only thing that I knew about this movie, uh, I saw. I, I knew what J.J. Abrams like the producer or something like that of it. In I guess the name of the movie Overlord, and I guess I've maybe seen that. And there's like video game. There's like a manga, and there's like um, an anime that is called Overlord. That's literally video game based off of an MMO. So that's probably why I was thinking Overlord in my head. Um, but I thought it was more of a video game movie, and I thought it was going to be a little bit more silly for that. So that's why I was kind of running with that. But then you find out it's not, and it's supposed to be kind of... It's just not. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm kind of surprised, but I wish that it would be more of a video game, a bit more silly, a bit more um, fantastical. Uh, I think I would have probably enjoyed it a bit more. Well, as far as the name goes, um, you might not be have the insight since you're not the resident expert Mocha. But Overlord was, Operation Overlord was the name for D-Day, which they were going in to take down the tower so that D-Day could occur. Mm. Nice. Yep. yep. So I'm yeah, and then uh, the only last bit about the visuals I wanted to make was um, they seem to have, I don't know, I feel like they overestimated the budget that they were going to put on pyrotechnics so that in one of the last scenes when Boyce is running away from the explosion, they just have all this dust and explosions that are there because they have those pyrotechnics. It was like watching someone sit on the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland and watch them going through, running at the screen while flames and explosions are happening behind them. <laughs> I have not been on that ride, but now I kind of want to feel that ride. Be like, oh, this is how it feels. Mocha, what you got? Um, you know, what I have isn't too far apart from what you all have said already. Um, for me, this movie, so it was surprising for me how much of a World War II movie this felt like. I went into this movie expecting nothing but Nazi zombies overflowing the screen at all times. And the vast majority of it, in fact, at the very least, the first half, was very much just a World War II movie. Um, props to the special effects department for making the initial flyover into Normandy uh, seem so intense. You know, that's that scene where our boy Boyce gets blown out of the airplane and does a whole bunch of flips flying through the air with like the, the world spinning around behind him just looked really realistic and really cool. Um, that being said, though, this movie had... A couple of options it could have been a war movie it could have been a horror movie it could have been a video game movie and it never really settled on which one of those it wanted to be instead it tried to do all of them at once and at different points ran wildly in any of those given directions um you know and even at certain points it felt very video game like like you mentioned earlier warren the scene with boys at the end running away from the explosions like super video gamey. Um, there were some other scenes too that felt like it, but ultimately it kept kind of flopping back and forth between the different genres that it wanted to be and never really landed on anything. And I think it suffered immensely for it. Um, it felt like the movie itself wasn't confident in 
the type of movie was trying to show. And I would have been, I would have been significantly more satisfied by a full on world war two movie that happened to have evil scientists that weren't working on a Nazi project. I would have been happy to have a movie where they landed and were immediately confronted by zombies and it was nothing but zombies all the way through. But this movie tried to blend them all. And as a result, it kind of came up with a kind of like a hodgepodge of the different genres. Um, Personally, at, at the very least, regardless of which direction the movie went, the scene where Ian DeCastiger's Chase character goes through his initial transformation after being injected with the mystery serum, that was fantastic. Like, as far as, like, body horror is, I think, an, a, a very underutilized and if attempted to be utilized, improperly utilized um, expression of the genre. Uh, and I thought that it was great in this one. You know, we had Ian uh, Chase, his character, kind of like pleading with the people around him to explain to him why things felt different than before he died, while his body starts to contort in all these really gruesome and just unrealistic ways. But that's all we got from it. You know, they could have taken that and driven it further. We could have seen other characters go through the experience. We had the moment, like uh, Brown and you Warren were saying earlier, where we got to see the the... the laboratory and we saw the woman who was just the head with a spine and we saw the bodies that were in the sacks and there was all this room for them to explore the horrors of these Nazi experiments and they never went into it. Instead, we got one room with a door that opened with a guy who was missing an arm who chased one of our protagonists around. Um, we got Ian DeCastiger's character who got his head bashed in and that was all well and good, but it wasn't enough. And I feel like this movie would have been a lot better if it had, if we had had every door in that research facility opened up at the end and we had a shit ton of zombies to have to deal with. Uh, that's what this movie needed. It really needed that. And it didn't give us to that. And as a result, it really fell short of its, of its goal. Um, I mean, ultimately I think it was pretty enjoyable. You can feel JJ Abrams hand through some of the, the, the parts of this film, but I, I don't know. It fell short of what I hoped for. And I think overall, like it fell short of what it could have been. Yeah. You know, and just kind of um, carrying off of that, you know, when the movie started, I got a bit of a uh, inglorious bastards feeling. Um, and so it would have been cool to have like a inglorious bastards mixed with a, what's that movie with the uh, uh, Brad Pitt world war Z. World War Z, yeah. 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 Mixed with the, what was that movie with Will Smith about the zombie? I Am Legend. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so if we can, like, just mash all those movies together, that'll be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it did have, like, a weird sort of, like, ragtag, a bunch of, like, uh, misfits feeling when we were on the plane at first. Uh, and the plane was filled with a bunch of people. I think, what, would you say 20 people on that plane? Probably more. A hundred. More than that, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't a hundred people on that plane. It wasn't a hundred, but it was more than 20. <laughs> okay. It was a whole platoon. Okay. So the fact that we started with there, we start le like learning about like other people and like things like that. We know things are going to happen in the plane. The plane um, kind of catches on fire. A bunch of people dies. And then we end with a cast of six people, maybe total, uh, maybe seven. But well, we start with six, but then they start dying out. And so uh, that's also what I thought was kind of weird, like oddly wasted. Um, it was just kind of weird. It feels like they're going to set up for something more. 
or maybe some other people are alive and they haven't quite found them yet. I don't know, but it definitely felt like the story was going to this big something a lot bigger than this very small finite super small cast so it was kind of weird i was kind of weird i felt i was kind of bummed because they did they ask at least i looked at it and as their set really invoked to ask a lot of questions um that we never really got a chance to kind of finish the story so i i'd be curious to kind of read about the production and how this was working if they just wanted to end this movie uh and they had to kind of abandon some things or there's a sequel that's going to explain all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, this movie, I mean, I feel like they would have gotten a better product if they decided to either choose it to be a World War II film or a zombie horror film. Yeah. Uh, because there are some dark moments and disturbing mo- moments of uh, just Nazi behavior that happened during World War II, especially with Chloe, where you see the uh, general come in and, like, uh, try to rape her and you actually get the idea that this is something that's been routine for a while that to keep her quote unquote free she does this to appease him so she's not thrown into uh, a prison or something somewhere uh, and that she also gets to look after her uh, shitty little kid um, <laughs> French kid that runs around everywhere is it her brother, yeah, uh, and it's um, and like that. That scene is probably like one of the best scenes in the movie because it is dark and disturbing on a very human level. Uh, and then when they start to throw all the zombie stuff in it, it just takes something like that that could have been uh, a very um, very poignant uh, moment to build off of, and it actually. Uh, it actually loses any of its credibility when it starts to go into more of the zombie horror section. So uh, let's move into our final thoughts and a bit of the conclusions. I'm going to switch it up and start with Sean. What you got for me? Uh, Really? It's just reiterating exactly what we had been alluding to during the entire thing. I mean, well, yes, I don't have a reason why, but I did still enjoy watching it. Uh, although by no means would I ever call it a good movie. Uh, it's something I feel I'd more have playing in the background while gaming or something, uh, because you don't really need a whole lot of concentration to follow what's going on. Um, in terms of, it doesn't make all that much sense if you are paying attention anyway. Uh, but yeah, I feel had it been a werewolf movie, had it been even going off uh, building what Brylin and Mocha were saying about how it being like having some really good horror aspects, if it dove headfirst into that, went all like balls to the wall, made it like a horror film, I think this could have been like easily made itself a good cult film that even like one of those ones that you overlook the acting, you overlook uh, even bad uh, production value. Because it's just like has one of those things that everyone loves because it's so bad, but because they didn't know which direction to take it in, it just falls short of that. Brylin. Yeah, this movie was fucking horrible. <laughs> I, I thought it was just bad on like pretty much every level. Um, I'd rather watch Transformers last night again over oh, this movie. No, you won't. Um, because that. 
that at least has some big giant robots in it, which would be entertaining. But uh, yeah, don't don't watch this movie. It, it's bad. It's it's not worth seeing ever again. Oh, I hate it. Trent, oh, man, that last night was just terrible. Mocha, what you got? Hard disagree with my good friend Brian here. So I think that this was a decent enough popcorn flick. It's got some really cool shots, a solid enough premise. It just unfortunately didn't push itself towards any of the boundaries that it set for itself within the genre. Um, as a result of that, we were given a movie that never really finds its proper stride and falls short of the goal as a result. Um, definitely don't bother spending money to see it in theaters, but this is absolutely the type of movie that I would turn on on streaming when I'm like doing other things like cleaning up in the house or working on some like random productivity things. Uh, this is worth watching in the background at the very least. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hard disagree on that last point. I don't think um, I don't I wouldn't necessarily recommend kind of watching this kind of in the background. I, you know, at least kind of watch it if you want to kind of just see. You know, if you're learning how to kind of write and sort of make movies and see some of the things that work and kind of don't work, kind of use this movie as kind of a learning opportunity and, the, and something that you can kind of grow off of because there's some fundamental issues with the movie. Uh, especially to the fact that while we're, you know, doing this review here, you know, Sean was getting to the point where, you know, maybe there's a character on the spectrum, whereas it felt like in another cases of one of you guys had said of, it feels like it's a lot of different shots and a lot of different directors. Uh, the story was rushed, you know, the acting, uh, the acting in the script wasn't where it needed to be, you know, as a whole, it felt like there's a lot of shortcomings from this movie. And it was a bummer uh, because I felt like this sh- movie shouldn't have been in theaters. And I'm curious as if J.J. Uh, Abrams wasn't the you know, exec producer or whatever he did on the film, if this would ever would have gone in theaters. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I wouldn't think like this is kind of up there with uh, the uh, another J.J. Abrams um, thing. Cloverfield um, paradox, yeah. paradox, right? You mean the best movie of 2017? Yeah, right. Uh, I was reading somewhere that this was kind of rumored to be a Cloverfield movie. No. So everyone assumed any J.J. Abrams project was a Cloverfield project. This one is definitely not. But also, Cloverfield Project, Cloverfield Paradox, of the movies I've seen eleven times, uh, which are none other, I this is the best one. (laughs) I gotta say, after watching it, I felt it could fit into the Hellboy universe. Cloverfield Paradox. No, the movie we just talked about, Overlord. Yeah, it could definitely do I that. was like, wait, how? Where does that go? With, what does that talk about space? Yeah. Paradox. Uh, I mean, uh, it's because it's a film that was written as something else, and they just tried to mash it into the Cloverfield universe, which made no sense to me. But Sean, do me a favor and watch the Cloverfield Paradox 11 times, and then you and I can have a conversation about it. All right. Sean, do me a favor and don't watch the Paradox Cloverfield at all. And me, you can have a conversation about it. No, I might have to because I actually enjoyed watching that movie. <laughs> yes, you you already saw it, Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, yeah, because oh. I actually that was one I actually looked up beforehand because I actually got my hand on like some of the original script hmm. before Ooh. they cut and tried to fit it into the uh, Cloverfield puzzle. Uh, that as uh, I think it was called the God Particle originally. Yeah. It 
I thought it would have held up as a standalone, not Cloverfield type thing. Oh, Sean, I wish you were on our original recording with this knowledge. Yeah. Oh, I- I'm glad you me, were. I wish I was. I, I had watched it after you guys already came out with that episode. <laughs> Speaking of hands, I think the only hand JJ had in this movie was the ten dollars he pulled out of his wallet and gave to the director to make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and with and with that, we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for checking out our review for Overlord as a consensus. Maybe don't watch us in theaters, but you know, at some point, go check it out. But definitely listen to the podcast. Brylin, where can we find more of your work? Uh, you can find me avoiding uh, random gunfire on Twitter at Brylin, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. You can also find me on Instagram at I am Brylin, posting many movie and TV reviews. And you can also find me as the host of the Gamescast, twitch.tv slash downfrontpodcast. Uh, still got to finish up Spider-Man, still playing through Red Dead. Uh, Mr. Mocha, what you got? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter rescuing tiny French children from uh, Cavens at Mocha Mike Li, as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who owns that Twitter handle is an Aryan Nazi sympathizer who got buried in a cave in and I can't reach his body. So as a result, uh, you can find me only at Mocha Mike Li. On Twitter, that is. Um, you can find me on Instagram, however, at Mocha Mike, and on Medium as well at Mocha Mike, where I write some longer form reviews of the things we talk about here. Uh, our special guest, Sean, what you got for me? Well, and here's the moment that I actually decided to join you for so I could shamelessly promote my own podcast. You can find me as the host of the Would It Fly podcast, pretty much on Twitter. Uh, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you'd get your podcast, you could probably find it. Uh, or follow us on Twitter at uh, at Would It Fly, all one word, simple enough. And I realized I said Twitter when I meant iTunes before this, on um, where you could find our podcast. But you can find our podcast on Twitter as well, since we'll post uh, anytime we release a new episode. Nice. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining in. Definitely check out more of our work at downerfrontpodcast.com. Uh, I just want to do a quick shout out and say that I think this is the first time that all of us are in four different states. So we are traveling around, which is great, from Massachusetts to New York to California and to Florida. Sadly, I'm in Florida. Uh, so yeah, it's cool. Uh, definitely check out more of our work. We have a Twitter, underscore DAFP. We have Facebook, facebook.com slash downerfrontpodcast. I mean, you search for us on YouTube, uh, as well as sort of SoundCloud. You, we're going to be just about everywhere. Um, just go ahead and put in downerfrontpodcast.com. If you like what we do, you want to become a patron, you can definitely kind of sign up for as much money as you want or as little as money as you want. That's okay. Uh, definitely check out more of our work, patreon.com slash downerfrontpodcast. Super pumped. Our next review, we will be talking about Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And we have another special guest who is even more, she may be bigger fan of Harry Potter than I am. But looks like we're going to mm-hmm. find out. Looks like we'll see. Super pumped. Excited. Thanks, everybody. And good night. Bye. Never trust an Aryan. Au revoir. Later. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir.
Going to house to house was searching for people like runaways.